Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by a full screen of guests this afternoon. I've got Pat Rowe, uh, John Townley and Ashley Priest. It's a bit of a, a mid-season winter break or, or whatever we've called it. Um, it's a couple of weeks to Villa play their next game against Leeds United on the 9th of February, I think it is. So I felt like that was a good time to kind of take stock of where we were, have a bit of a break ourselves and discuss the season so far. So we're going to like assess assess where Aston Villa are basically. I think Smith had 11 games, Gerard have had, has had 10, so pretty much even even pegging. So I've got 10, 10, 11 questions. I'm going to get an answer for each of you. We've got the comments watching along as well on Facebook, so you know, feel free to get involved in the discussion as always. Um, but before we get into that, how are we all? Ash, do you want to let us know how you are? Nice to have a full squad. Full squad here to choose from. So uh, yeah, buzzing mate, I'm all good. Yeah, very well. Been a busy week, but yeah, it's been good. Mm. And John, been a couple of episodes since you last on the podcast with me anyway. How, how are you? Yeah, it's been like a month now. No, I'm good, I'm good. No Villa for like two weeks now, so that's a bit of a shame. But yeah, mm, boring, isn't it? To be honest, I know we've got the transfer window, but I want to, I want to see Villa play games. Um, so first question then, I'm going to come to you all for an answer for every single question so you can keep it as brief or as long as you like. Uh, we'll start with you, Ash, on this one. I just want you to sum up your feelings towards the Dean Smith era versus the Stephen Gerrard era. Villa taking it to a new level now. Um Dean Smith did what he did and did, did, a, did a pretty good job as well. Um, kicked Villa on another gear, Dean did. And uh, looking back, I think he left at the right time. Thing, I think things turned a bit against him. But that's a player or, or whatnot. Just, just that momentum went, didn't it, in the early season. And um, in terms of Gerald coming in back in November now, bit of a member of the day, Sunday afternoon, whirlwind well, well, of the day. Yeah. Just finished Southampton on the Saturday or Friday night, Friday night football might have been. And um, yeah, it happened so quickly. And Gerald was in the door within the matter of a couple of days. Um, like I said, a bit of a whirlwind. But transitioning into this new era now, I think it's very exciting. We've seen the January transfer window, the, the Paul Gerald attracts the, the type of player he wants. Some interesting comments from Perslow two weeks ago now saying Gerald wants to up the age profile. He wants to prove winners in the building. Whereas before, I think under Smith, I think, I think he relied a lot on the, the scouting network, Johan Langer. Previously, um, Jesus Garcia Pitar taking a bit of a risk in the, in the market previously. Whereas now, I think Villa are going at it full ammo. In it with Juventus, man, he's, he's number one target. Rodrigo Bentacore as well. Champions League players. Um, I noted yeah. down that the other day, I think um, 90 Champions League appearances, Coutinho, Dean, and Olsen have got. So they're getting, they're getting players with pedigree in the building. So that's going to be the mantra moving forward. And as we know, European qualification is the aim. So, yeah, I just think Gerard takes Villa to a new level now. Um, and I think I think with the Martinez contract being the way it is 2027, I think McGinn's getting tied down soon as well. I think they're building for a bigger and better Villa. And hopefully we'll be uh, them European notes a return to B6, yeah? 
we are at risk here of all repeating pretty much the same answer every time with these questions. So, you know, if, if you feel like Ash has already said what you wanted to say, just shout up. But Pat, how do you feel about, about the two eras at Aston Villa so far? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the, to let go of the Dean Smith era was a bit tough, wasn't it, towards the end? But like I said, like Ash said, it's, he got to the stage where you felt that he'd taken the club as far as he can, really. And Gerard has seemingly stepped things up with the transfer window and the uh, intensity and like, the little off the field things like no ketchup and all that. I feel like it's all just stepped up a gear, bringing players in that we don't necessarily need them in the position. So like Ben Tancourt or Louise or whatever, box to box will play the number six, Coutinho an attacking option, and then then even like little moves like bringing back Kane Kessler uh, Hayden and then Cash has one of his better games. Just little things like that. I feel like Gerard's just tapping into like the competitive edge that he has over people. Mm. Just like elevating the club that way. So, yeah, just ex- in terms of the Gerard era, it's just a really exciting time to be a fan, isn't it? And exciting time to cover it. Yeah, much the same from the same as the guys. I think, to be honest, I think it's more his demeanour and the way he carries himself, the way he's come into the club. And all of a sudden, it feels like he's been here for five years. Same as his backroom team as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it clouds my sort of vision from the start in terms of we got the two wins straight away, but I'm not too. Ex- um, to I don't know how to say it. Like I'm, I, I was expecting it to kind of go like this. If you know that makes sense. I think this is in the squad that we got. The kind of the foundations that Gerard's already got, and all the investment that the um, owners have backed in with as well. I don't think it could kind of go up, uh, any any sort of different. Um, that that's not. I'm not trying to not give any credit to Gerard necessarily, but I think it's all. It's almost like a perfect storm for it to go to go well. I don't know. I, you know. I think the first couple of weeks were sort of. He made all the intentions clear that this is what he wanted to do, um, and since then it's only been you know packed of packed full of good things. And he's saying the transfer market is he's laid down exactly what he wants, and the owners have backed him. Um, clearly, he's got uh, you know the message across the players as well. Um, so yeah, so far so good. I think he said when he walked in the building at Ibrox, he said the first couple of weeks were the most important, just to lay down all of his ideas and get this all respect. Mm. Players, and that seems to be exactly what he's done at Villa as well. So now I think um, Gerard is, you know, I don't think he could go much better for him. Nothing's ever given him football necessarily. Um, he'll be saying that to his players when you know let's continue uh, where we've started. You've pretty much answered my second question there as well. So I'll come back to you last for the next one. Uh, just looking at um, the Premier League record for the two managers: Smith played eleven, won three, drawn one, lost seven. Gerard played ten, won five, drawn one, lost four. It's very much win or lose, isn't it? With uh, only two draws all season in the league as long as I've done my research correct. Um, and those losses for Gerard, Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool, which are to be expected. It's only the Brentford one, really, that, that, that's the disappointment out of those. So, second question, has Gerard done a better job than you maybe maybe would have anticipated before he came in? Start with you this time, Pat. Um, I feel like there was always a bit of scepticism about whether he'd make the step up to the Premier League and whatnot. I feel like I already had high, high hopes for it. Looking at the uh, system he liked to play over that 4-3-3 and the narrow forwards, I always thought, I could see why they went for Gerard. I thought it was a nice fit for Watkins and Buendia and, and everything. And yeah, I feel like he has been done better than expected in the short time he's, he's had, to be honest. Like Even the wins you mentioned, like going ahead against Chelsea, I know we fell off in that second half. But the Liverpool performance, I thought, was really good and done by a penalty decision. was probably a bit dubious. And then we could have got a draw there. And then the City performance, I know we started slow there, but the second half there was really good. But the Brentford was probably the only... Only like slipping back into bad habits for Villa that coming out, not yeah. competing or anything. But um, yeah, in terms of, I'm, I'm pretty impressed by it. The uh, United game was a good showing, showing a bit of fight there. And 
I, I said on the podcast at the, the start of the year that I wanted to see Villa start grinding out results and transferring these good performances and losses into some good performances and maybe grind out a draw and we're starting to do that. So, yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, better. Yeah, you're looking, I think his last league game in charge of Rangers against Ross County, it was a 4-1 win and within days he's got to face up against an informed Brighton side who caused Villa problems in the past. The new group, I mean, such a mad turnaround um, for Gerald to come in from Glasgow and then make the squad and then pick a team. He, he was thrust into it. So, yeah, I think he's been better than expected, to be honest with you. Um, I think he's, he's proven his stripes already. For me, you look at the performances against the most of cities in Liverpool. I think Villa held their own. Um, I'm just getting a point at Man U as well, playing really well there. So, mm. played a few of the big dogs as well. And now, I think now we'll see, see Gerard. He's got two weeks with him now. Mini preseason, he's called it. He's going to real get, get stuck into him. And I think there's a, there's a kind run of uh, fixtures now for, for, for Villa to get some points on the board. So I think the bedding, the bedding in period's over now. I think it's um, full on the task at hand. And there's winnable games coming. So I think we'll learn a lot more about Gerard's Villa in the coming weeks. But yeah, I mean, coming into the job, I think the massive um, getting off to a fly against Brighton was massive. Villa weren't great in that game, but they come on late, got the win, clean sheet. Rolled into the next one. I think Palace, wasn't it, away? Hard place to go, that is. Will he get a win there as well? So, yeah, I think he's done better than expected for me. You look at his record at Rangers, won the title. Yeah, like you say, he's an obvious one up there. It's a two-horse race up there. But I think his record in Europe was pretty good as well. He really pushed the logs to Leon and I think the Ben Fika he played as well. And it's a real, real final he beat as well. So, he got every bit of um, what he could have at the Rangers squad. And I think... Coming into now, I think he's he's made this Villa job his own now. So, yeah, top marks for me, mate. Just quickly, how do you rate Gerard's time at Villa so far out of 10? I'd probably give it 7.5, pushing on to an 8. I think that, that Brentford game is the only one holding us back, isn't it? If we got a win there, I don't know if it had taken us up the table or whatnot, but it just felt like the second half did not happened. Cheap goals to concede just before half-time completely killed us, didn't it? But other than that, competing with the big dogs, had some tough fixtures, a few good wins when he first came in and then... He didn't, really, he didn't really have much time to work with the team. And now he's got, like Ash said, he's got this mini preseason. I feel like the style of play, I think when, when he first got appointed, Josh Williams mentioned that you're not probably got, you're not going to see the style of play going forward that Gerald wants until he's had a preseason. So with the kind fixtures after this short like break, then maybe we'll start seeing it like a bit more of the uh, Norwich performance where we're dominating teams a bit more. Yeah, I agree. I'd probably give him an eight as well. I think that Brentford performance probably just takes it down for a nine for me. Um and then, of course, we've had, say, tricky games, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, Leicester as well, but obviously we beat them. Uh, so I'd give it an eight, but again, with context of the fixtures, fixtures that we've played, um, you know, you'd probably be going towards a nine, even a ten, if we had some more variable games as, you know, the ones we've got coming up. Uh, but no, really good start. I'd give it eight out of ten. Yeah, I've got nine. Gerard's got me. Really hard. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think I've been so, so impressed with him. I just think of the, the transformation. You go back to that Southampton game, I think seven of the 11 played that night to the Everton one on, on, on the weekend. Seven to seven players still played. Same players, same blokes. Yeah. And just what he's getting out of them now, totally different, chalk and cheese. I know momentum was against Villa that, that night, Southampton, obviously on a losing streak, but he's rallied the troops, really has. And Villa are a tough nut to crack now. Um so for me, nine out of ten from Gerard. What more do you want? That Brentford game was was a blip. He wasn't in the dugout for Chelsea. I thought Villa were poor against Chelsea as well. He weren't in the dugout. I think Villa missed that. And yeah, going out of the cup against Manu, that was that was a sore one to take as well. Giving mm. one of Villa could deep in that. So yeah, Brentford was a, was a blip. But I'm, I'm going nine out of ten. I think I think I'm really excited by what by the 
for the future with me at the helm, yeah. I'm going to sit on the fence between Orthavians at 8.5 and go back to answering the, asking the questions. Um, we'll do an episode on the transfer window as a whole when it closes and kind of assess the transfer window. But Coutinho and Dina through the door, Olsen as well. It's a pretty good transfer window, isn't it, so far? I'm going to come back to you, Ash, because Pat and John are both on mute for some reason. So there must be some noise at there. And so, Ash, we'll carry on. One more can you ask for a couple of weeks in? Um, he's already got the Coutinho, Dean, and obviously Robin Olsen in. I think there's 160 international caps there between them. So, 90 Champions League appearances between them. So, real, real players with pedigree, like we mentioned. Um, I think, like I said, we're entering a new phase now, attracting top-level players, Benton Cores being one of them. Um, so, the, there's going to be a real shift in terms of transfer mantra now for me. I think it points to a massive summer. I really do. I think you could find a couple of the, the first-teamers probably heading out, you know. A lot of talk about Douglas Louise of late. Gerard wasn't too complimentary of him. When I asked about him last week, he said, he's done okay for us, so... Read into that what you like. Personally, I, I like Douglas. I think there's more to come from him. He's only 23. But like you say, the level of player Villa want to attract with Gerard at the helm now, you've got a question. Some might be moving up. Um, yeah. Villa, are not, Villa are moving on to a different level. So transfer window on the whole, I think, yeah, been really good so far. I'm intrigued about the Coutinho one. I don't know if people making the comments. He, he was short at the weekend. Couldn't mean a couple of lads in the press box kept looking at each other when he kept giving the ball away. I was like, oh, um, bit, bit, bit short fitness-wise, but He's back in Brazil. Hopefully that gives him a bit of a boost. Hopefully he gets some game time, gets some minutes into his legs. Great A player there, as we know. So I'm intrigued to see how that pans out. Luca Dean, I think the lads will agree here. <laughs> real, real top quality signing left back. Mm. He's already shown what he can do. I loved his, his character at the weekend, playing against his former club and putting the star showing. So and Robin Olsen, just, just to fill the gap. Um, not like the free trials of Jed Steele at the moment, but we'll see. But Olsen's coming bit more quality in the goalkeeping department. But yeah, so far so good. And hopefully one or two left to do. And I think it's all pointed towards Bentico, isn't it? Five days left, get him in. What do we know it's been? You know, the main point is that in January, whenever when do you ever get to sort of increase and um, sorry, improve your team as much as we are? I think last year when we when we bought Samson, I thought that was the sort of not necessarily the pinnacle, but we haven't signed someone as good as Samson over the last few years. Sorry, mm. I can't remember. Um you know, since since we got promoted, list um, to then coming on to the level that we have now, bringing in Coutinho, Digne, or Dean, um, those two players that don't only just get in your team but couldn't take it to a next level as well. To do that in January, you know, it sets you sets you well for the summer as well. We don't have to be um, spending hundreds of million pounds in the summer when you've already got two players that dramatically improve your team anyway. There's a couple of probably gaps and plugs to hold maybe in the summer, but it sets you up really nicely and. Yeah, and it allows them a couple of months to bed in before the start of next season as well, obviously, too. Well, uh, save the transfer window chat till next week's episode with the deadline being Sunday or Monday, whenever it is. Um, so I'll go on to the next one. Pat, who's been your player of the season so far? In terms of the entire season, I've just been really impressed with Jacob Ramsey. I think came in, I remember first watching properly in that Newcastle game, the first home game, I think that was. Yeah, I think John's mentioned before, it was like a cauldron and he was a bit nervous to start with, but since that moment, I think it's just been strength to strength for the player, to be honest. I mean, he's got his first goal. I think they're starting to flood in a bit more now. He's got the uh, Norwich one and the uh, United one as well, so he's got a bit of prowess in front of goal. The assists will start coming. I think he's a really key part to how we play, to be honest now. Dragging us forward from the... Um, picking it up on the halfway line, dragging us forward, progressing the team forward and starting to contribute in the final third. So, yeah, and especially under Gerard, he's, I think he's flourishing. So I think it's only going to be up from there. It's 20 years of age. It's rare that you see that from 20-year-olds, to be honest, the composure mm-hmm. the, uh, and be able to compete at this level. So yeah, special, special player. But other than that, I probably mentioned Matty Cash as well. 
you know, when things were pretty low when we were under Dean Smith at the back end of his his reign. And I feel like I can only really remember one player kind of standing up and like putting maybe putting a tackle in, flying in, yeah. giving it a bit of It was always Matty Cash. So I know he hasn't had an assist since December and his final third productions probably leaves a lot to be desired. But for me, he's always there. He offered, first thing you want your right back to do is to defend. He does that better than anyone else, I think. So yeah, Matty Cash and uh, Ramsey for me. The maturity has shown, I think, even last season, he showed that he could kind of do the defensive side, going to leads and walls and, you know, keeping tight spaces, doing a really disciplined job under Dean Smith. So then this season, playing almost, not like Jack Grealish, but in the way that he can move the ball, I think it's almost weird because we've seen Jack do that and now we've seen Jacob do it. And I don't think that's getting enough praise as well. It should probably get, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's gliding, like, for example, that Norwich goal. We've, we've, we've seen that a lot, but a lot of other clubs wouldn't even seen that from any of their players before. In, over the last few years, um, and we've just almost replicated that straight away with with a twenty year old coming on, coming into the scene, and you know, I mean, Gerard as a mentor as well, and Gary McAllister, you know, it's it's, it's perfect for him. Um, I think he's been the most consistent player, and there's been showings from different players. Leon Bailey has shown glimpses, um, you know, Matt Cash as well, of course, uh, John McGinn in patches, but I think for the consistency that's shown in what's been a really sort of difficult season in many respects. I think definitely Jacob Ramsey. Ash, are you going to throw me a curveball or are we going to get the hat trick here? No, no hat trick. Um, well, I've seen a comment there, Flash with Buendia coming in bit of form now. But I'm going to say John McGinn, you know, he's already equaled his best ever tally for goals. He's Premier League three. He's on three already from his, what, is he 18 appearances. And he's coming on strong now. We've seen that first 10 minutes of Goodison, what he can bring. And he's, he must be so annoying to play against, getting his body in and steaming into players. And really, really miss him when he's not there. We've seen that um, when, he, when he missed the Man U game. Just missed that something in the middle of the park. Brentford as well, I think it was. Um, so really miss him again. And um, yeah, this season, I think he's, he's come on again. I think he's playing his best football under Gerard now. Uh, Gerard, Gerard waxes lyrical about him as well. And in, in the press conferences, quite, quite often we were asking about Gerard. What's he thinking of performances, this, that and the other? Obviously, he's been linked with a move to Man U in the summer. Well, yeah, I think McGinn, McGinn's coming on really strong now. I was, I was, I was impressed with him in the Euros back in the summer. Mm. But this season, I think he's starting to uh, up another level. So um, hopefully he adds to his goal, goal count as well. He's on three already, but yeah. I'll say McGinn for me. I think Villa missing missing dearly when he's not there. I just want a name for me to hear for a moment and then I'll decide whether who, you know, if somebody's worth talking about. Um, when Joe first came, we, we talked a lot about who might benefit the most and, and suffer the most from his appointment. So first of all, Who's benefited the most as a, as a player from Joe's appointment? I just wanted a rapid, quick fire name from each of you first. Buendia for me. I always thought the uh, system was going to work for him. So, yeah, Buendia. Buendia, yeah, got me. Yeah, hat trick Buendia for me as well. <laughs> okay, lovely stuff. Who wants to talk about Buendia and why he's improved? Who wants to take that? It was always going to be difficult with Buendia at the start, wasn't it? No one really knew where he was going to play or if it was a cam or if it was a right winger. And then. Gerard kind of splits you down the middle and goes, okay, I'll just put him as an inside forward. <laughs> both. both of them. <laughs> and then, it, shockingly, that works for him. So, yeah, it's worked really well. I think he's only going to get better with Coutinho. Once Coutinho beds into the team, they build a bit more of a connection up. And if, if Watkins uh, hits a bit of form or Ings comes into the side, for, beats into it, and the players around him are only going to make him better. So, yeah, the connection with Coutinho is the two number 10s, getting a striker ahead of him that's scoring. And Villa winning games are all going to benefit. I think Bundy is going to be a key part to it. Flip side of that then, who's suffered the most? Same format, just give me a name first and then we'll decide what to do afterwards. It's got to be Target, hasn't it? Mm. Tar- target. Yeah, <laughs> Target. <laughs> Go on then, who wants to talk about it? Well, it's the obvious, isn't it? I mean, 
think in the first couple of weeks of the press conference, Gerald said he wants competition, better competition at fullback, and cashing the target must have been looking around each other in the dressing room, thinking we've got a little bit here. And yet, um, Dean's availability, Luca Dean's availability, Villa swooped in twenty-five million pound deal done. Target sit on the bench now for me, uh, Lucas, the man for me. So, yeah, I think even before that, I think Target suffered a bit of form. He was player's player last season, don't forget. Um, I think playing beyond closed doors probably helps a target for me. Um, he can contract his game a bit more. And, and yeah, you might get a bit flustered when there's a crowd on the touchline against him. So, I think, look, yeah, Matt Target has suffered for Gerald coming in. I think Gerald wants better quality there in terms of going forward as well. We've seen the cross at the weekend. Wendy's header as well. So Luca Dean's added added much more quality. And I think targets I well, we asked we asked Jared about target last week. How did he take the news? He said he's done really well. He's he's upped his training levels now and he's fighting with Luca Dean for, for a starting shirt now. So that, that that can only be a healthy of a villa. So yeah, um Luca Dean signing the manner of it as well. And first game in targets dropped. I think targets the only right, right answer there to as the player who suffered most at the moment. But the lads think of a Another, another name there? Who else well, suffered, do you reckon? My, my next question was, which player's disappointed you the most this season? So it might not necessarily be that he's he's suffered just because um, he's been replacing mm. the team. But in terms of a performance, maybe you're expecting a better player. But I wrote this name down with Leon Bailey in mind. Sign him. Yeah, thinking, yeah he's he's part of that Jack Grealish replacement. Exciting player mm-hmm. from Germany. And feels like he's kicked a ball twice and got injured mm. doing it. Danny Ings, or we look at the first half of the season, when there, mm. totally yeah. different player now. Yeah. I can't see it consistently enough. He gets on, has a good game against Chelsea and then costs us a goal against United. I feel like everyone's starting to write him off again now. Everyone's just uh, looking at a new sentiment that we're going to sign. But yeah, I think there's a real player there, but I just want to see the consistency of him. And I think it's going to be difficult for him to get back in the side now, to be honest. Why Ings, Ash? It's just not working, is it? Square peg round, I'll keep calling it. I was at the 23s match the other night and was all about it because you, you had Brad Young and Louis Barry linking up. And someone next to me went, see, they're, they're, they're two strikers you can work together. <laughs> not, not seeing that in the first team, are we? So, a few laps in the, in the stand, quite funny. Um, but she's not working, is it, really? I mean, was that signing to appease the dressing room and to appease fans, knowing it came in the same way Grealish went? I think if you look at... I think it lifted the dressing room off, off the back of the Grealish sale. We're getting a, Danny Ings in. Oh, my God, what, what a player. Always bangers against us. Quality player. Uh, real marksman in the Premier League. Record's good. We'll get him in for 30 million. That should do it. He should get the goals. But you forget him. We've got Ollie Watkins at the club. who's used to playing uh, central striker on his, on his own. And um, he suffered a little bit at Watkins. So both of the goals records aren't great either. I think I did a bit of digging yesterday. Watkins is scoring every 300 odd minutes. Danny Ings is just 280 odd minutes every goal. So it's not good really. So Danny Ings, yeah, is it working? I don't don't know. There's a player there. Look at his finish in Brentford. Watkins doesn't finish that. Not many, not many in the league finish that on his weaker foot. So there's a player there, like, like we've seen, but just get get fitting him in. I wonder if wonder if things will be looked at in the summer. Try and try and cash in a little bit on him. I'm not sure. But I hope it works out for him because we know what a player he is. But yeah. with the system we're playing, I don't know if it's worth dropping Ings in as, as a number ten as opposed to Watkins and then getting the end of stuff. Pullbacks and whatnot. So, Danny Ings, yeah. How many times have you spoken about Ings and Watkins this season, Dan? Just, <laughs> we're in January now. We're still on about it. But yeah, Danny Ings has disappointed me a little bit, given the money we paid for him and the way he's not, not fitting into the system. I mean, it kind of sums up Villa season to an extent that we started talking about disappointing players and the, the Facebook comments and us as a, as a 
quartet is it <laughs> i was gonna say trio but isn't uh have come up and, and this were kind of sparked into life and, and th- thought of four or five players that have disappointed us carl wilson says that ings is useless and dave Turner says watkins only disappointment is in the goal department gotcha. and he says why can't anyone see the problem is watkins so it kind of splits opinion whether who's at fault here is it watkins having a run of games and ings hasn't so that's not fair on ings but then I don't know. Neither have done great, have they? I don't think that, I don't think any of them come out of this season with with much credit, to be honest. So far, just the flip side of that, I know we talked about Jacob Ramsey being like who, who's developed better under Gerard than anyone else. Which players maybe surprise you in a good way? Let's have a bit of positivity. Can we list off four or five names now, or is it? Or does that sum up the season that it, it has been more of a disappointment than a positive? McGinn for me. McGinn, I didn't Ramsey, think he was Cash. Type of yeah, I didn't think he was the type of player that you could build the team around. But with each performance, I think you kind of see in that. I just want him tied down to a new contract now to just uh, get rid of this United interest. Hmm. Marvellous in Canberra as well. Obviously. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, good shout. Yeah, okay. Right, fair enough. Let's move on. Um, right, stay on the positive side. Highlight of the season so far? Moment of the season's probably, I think it has to be Man United away winning there. We haven't done that at all. Well, we have. Not very, what, once in the Premier League, I think it is, away from home anyway. Hmm. Um yeah, that must be a moment, especially how it happened as well. Obviously, Fernandez plays in the penalty over the bar as well. Uh, as a game, I think that's my moment this season. But in terms of a well, in terms of an actual moment, I'd say Jacob Ramsey's goal at Norwich was special. Um, to be fair, his goal against Leicester as well before it got cancelled out, I thought that was really good. Like, blew the roof off uh, Villa Park, and then his sort of raw emotion as well, and Cash's raw emotion as well when he scored. I think you know, not being in stadiums, that sort of thing, and coming back and seeing. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's been like refreshing and probably something that we take for granted, I suppose. Um, and then just as a side one as well, I think Coutinho's signing as well is just quite mental. Like we'll probably look look back at that in a couple of years and think, well, maybe not look back, but certainly if you told us that a couple of years ago, um, you know, that's it's quite crazy when you think about it. So um, yeah, those are my moments. But as I said, definitely Man United away. Um, we can't forget how good that was. And that was Dean Smith's last win as well. So it has a bit of meaning. I like the Leon Bailey goal against Everton. Come on, mm. a lot of hype around the signing. And the way he just, just volleyed, nearly took the roof off the, of the net and he broke the net and he injured himself in the process as well. But yeah, that moment there, going through me up against Everton. It was a Friday night game as well, was it? I think um, so, yeah. Evening game. I think the roof came off the place then. That was, that was a nice moment, that was. And, but yeah, like you say, the man knew away we was special but um yeah Ramsey good goal against um Norwich as well and Jer- Gerard's first game was was a big moment as well mm. that late we didn't play well a lot of, lot of trepidation in the air that day Brighton on top and then just get that win in Gerard's first game in charge was pretty massive but yeah moments I like, I like Leon Bailey's volley I really did and shame he got injured Ash just said my one mine was the uh, Brighton game you know, it was tense. The first 15 minutes, I thought, oh my God, he's, he's transformed the team. We were pressing all over the shop. Yeah. We had a chance, I think, a McGinn header or something, or a cash cross or something like that. And then it was a really tense game. I feel like the atmosphere went a bit flat and everyone was getting a bit uptight. And just to see uh, Watkins wrap that one into the back of the net and then the celebrations from Gerard, it was just relief from everyone. And it, yeah, I love that moment. That's the moment for me. I don't want to stay on this one for too long. I've got a low point of the season. I only want to come to you, Ash, because you've obviously you've been there home and away every single game. So there's a moment when you kind of sat there up in the press box on a drive home or something and thought, oh, bloody hell, that was rubbish. Southampton, yeah. I thought yeah, did, yeah. I thought so. Southampton, yeah, it didn't look good, did it? Um, yeah, did a Q&A in the morning. I thought, he might, he might, he might survive. He'll have one more game. Only go out in his shield. I kept saying that, didn't I? From the vibes I was getting from those within Villa, but 
They axed him straight away. No messing when I get Gerard in straight away. But yeah, Southampton that Friday night, that big game coming into that game, full defeats on the spin. Come on, then let's get a result here. Let's kick things into into gear. Even if it was a one nil, I think I spoke to you. Even if it's just a scrappy one nil, we'll take it. Mm. Um, and then go into the international break. Then we've got Brighton and Palace coming up. You know, we can start to turn it around and Dean can start to turn, turn it around. But what we've seen St. Mary's that night, nothing. Um, what was the stats of that night? Uh, three shots on target. We didn't, didn't allow a glove them, to be honest. And Wright was on the wall after that. So Southampton away that evening. Yeah, not very good. We're 11th in the table, as things stand, 26 points. Uh, for reference, Arsenal and Spurs are in 6th and 7th with 36 points, so 10 behind. Uh, I don't know what the games are. I should have written that down as well, Sean, to be honest, and I've done the research. Uh, looking the other way, Newcastle are in 18th with 15 points, or 11 ahead away from that. So realistically, what else can Villa achieve this season? There's no silverware to play for, of course, apart from the, the league title, which would probably be a bit beyond us. So how far up that, t- up that table can they climb? I have written the next five fixtures down. Leeds, Newcastle, Watford, Brighton and Southampton. And I'm going to go into every one of those games thinking we can get a win, to be honest. So, you know what, you get 10 points from there, it kicks out to the second half of your season. Who knows where you are? I'm still hopeful that we can get in that eighth range, eighth, seventh. Mm. Compete with the likes of Wolves. Yeah, I think maybe a conference league or something still on the cards. Maybe top six is a bit of a stretch, but yeah, top eight. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably our ceiling, to be fair. Um, if you look at the teams above us, Wolves, uh, Brighton, Leicester, we've beaten Leicester and Brighton both at home. And obviously we've lost to Wolves, where we've shown that we can be winning 2-0 until the 80th minute. <laughs> um, we, can, we can go head-to-head against any team in the division, in my opinion. Uh, but it's just that consistency again. Like you look at Brentford away, we lose two one. That's a very poor result. But then you back up and you win out Everton, uh, and Everton have just sat the manager and should have got a bounce from that. But we nullified it. And as I said, next five games really important. Uh, so I'd have thought a top half of the table finish. Uh, can we finish above those little that little sort of league above us sort of thing? Um, whenever you ask Gerard about European aspirations, is always quick to sort of kill it off. But then a couple of players also come out, like Wendy said a couple of weeks ago, saying that we want to finish in those European positions. I don't know if that's just them saying it because, of course, yeah, you want to do finish in those positions or if it's an actual ambitious target. Um, it's very boring, but it's just game by game, isn't it? But if you're saying game by game in the next five games, then you're looking at you know a very nice points return. So it's certainly positive. Looking up rather than down, um, got Leeds and Brighton to play both twice as well. Don't forget, postponed yeah. games there. So there's points on the board there. Then two sides are both struggling. So um, that's quite nice to be set up, but yeah, I think I think like John said, I think eighth could be the ceiling for us, given given the difference, ten point difference between Arsenal and Spurs. Two teams you've got to play as well, but yeah, all to play for. I think Gerard, it's a ma- massive, um, massive little little month to come now, February and March. Gerard banged on about that to me. He said it's huge now. We're going to get have a real good go at it. Um, so the, the players are in tune. The players are focused on that. And yeah, I think you've got to look, go look to leap probably look to Leicester, Brighton, and if you can Wolves and push Tottenham and Arsenal close and and yeah, just try, try and try and get get some momentum, get a couple of wins on the bounce, and you never know where, where you end up. So plenty of points to play for. And um top eight, why not? We played Brighton, says Dave. Did you mean Burnley? Ashwin said we've got to play them twice. Yes, Burnley. Burnley, yeah, I thought so. Uh, let's have a little bit of a transfer round up then. There were some questions at the start, if I can find them. Updates on a centre-back. I'll, I'll come to you for these, Ash, I think. Centre-back doesn't sound likely, does it, I don't think? Yeah, no new names coming to the fore, really. Joe Gomez, that deal was on, off and on again. Um, he's disappointed with his lack of match minutes at Liverpool. So, again, I can't see club selling, to be honest, from the noises I'm getting. 
Yeah, no, no real new names, really. I asked Gerard about this last week, centre-back search, what's going on. He said we might need to pounce on, on one that comes available later on in the window. So five days left to run. Nat Phillips, Jan Tarkovsky have been mentioned, but nothing concrete in them. So it could be a, could be a little curveball coming in. You're looking at a right-sided centre-back to come in. I think Kant has got his shirt. He ain't going to dislodge him out of the team. So he's got to be one to come in who's prepared to sit on the bench for the first few weeks and hopefully get the nod. So so I think deadline day, hold on to your hats. The, the lights could be on at Body Reef. So we'll see. So the one that people are going to be asking about is... is... Bentancor or, or Bentacor, I don't know what the pronunciation is. Uh, Path, believe you've done a, a profile on this. I think you have. Yeah. You're nodding. All right, talk to us about him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not the uh, CDM that I think everyone was hoping for, like the Basumas of the world. But he's a player that's got an immense amount of quality. He's got he fits into the Gerrard uh, profile of a midfielder. You know, immense work rate, passing ability, good on the ball, can progress the team forward, or it's passing or just dragging us forward himself. But yeah, I think. It, to me, it kind of hints that Louise is after. You've got all this noise around him and Arsenal and Newcastle at the moment. And Benson calls like best position this season. I think Allegri just doesn't fancy him as that number six. He can play there, but he doesn't fancy him for Juventus there. So they've played him in like a midfield two, in a four-two-three-one double pivot, or just like as a box-to-box in general. So like a number eight. So Longren, you're probably going to have you have the same problems where he can play there. He's probably better at, than Louise at the number six. But it's where where you want him to thrive, really. You probably want to push him a bit further forward. It's probably hints to me that we're still going to go after a CDM eventually, or we'll just bide our time until Nakamba comes back. But yeah, quality player. Everything I've seen so far on the uh, YouTube highlights and the stats, I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah. For eighteen million, you know, uh, someone with ninety odd Champions League uh, appearances, forty five international caps already. Quality player, quality deal. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on, somebody mentioned earlier on in the comments about what does that, you know, what happens to Douglas Louise if we sign another midfielder. So I want to run through our, well, your three strongest Villa 11s. Now you can include Ben Tanko if you want to. Um, that's that's up to you. But I want you to run through them, compare them, and just see what we, if we can finally almost agree on what our best side is. Mm-hmm. So the formation is a given uh, that 4 3 3 with the narrow number 10s. The back five, I assume, for the whole three of you picks itself with Martinez, Cash, Constant, Mings, Dean. Take it from midfield, John, you go first, and then we'll go Ash, then Pat, and let's see where we all are. So Benton Holding, McGinn, and Jacob Ramsey. And then I've got Coutinho left, Watkins, Central, and Wendy on the right. I've just put a piece out on the website now. People can have a look at it. I've, 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 I've kept Douglas Louise in there. So I've got McGinn, Ben Tancourt, and Douglas Louise as the eight. And I pushed Jacob Ramsey as the 10. Because I'm unsure on Coutinho yet. But from what I've seen at Goodison, I think he needs a few games to get, get up to speed. So I think we don't know what, what Coutinho is going to come and make an impact. But what the lads are mentioning in, in the piece, a full of, uh, fully fit and firing Coutinho. First name on the team sheet, that's a given. I'm reserving judgment on Coutinho at the moment, um, just based on what I've seen in that first half at Goodison, really. A game that probably didn't suit him in the end, given, given the atmosphere. Duncan Ferguson had him pumped up, getting back against Leeds and whatnot. I want to see the best of him. So, but yeah, I've got Jacob Ramsey's a 10. I think him and Boyd could work well with the Watkins up front. And like I said, I think I'm agreed to leave someone like Leon Bailey out because I think there's, there's much more to come from Bailey. I know he's had his injury troubles, but the little glimpses I've seen and Conversation about people close to Gerard. He's the one that's really impressed him at training prior to his injury. So, yeah, but yeah, like I said, McGinn, Benton Court, keeping faith with Douglas because I like him. Ramsey, Buendia, and Watkins for me. Same as John, but like I said, I, I think it'd be quite exciting to see Ramsey pushed for it further forward and see what I can yeah. do in the final third a bit more. So, yeah, I'm fine with either of those. If Coutinho's not uh, starting, we've got the depth and you've got the likes of Kai Chukmeka and all those. Exactly. I think he's leading yeah. in terms of shot creating actions or 
or expected assists per night. Yeah, I saw this morning, I was quite impressed by. So yeah, you throw him into the fold. You've got Bailey to come back, Traore. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So just a little bit further, Ash, for, for Louise and, in, and what happens to him if we do sign a midfield, there's a few people asking about him potentially leaving. Big talking you know, point, yeah. Always linked with the moves, away, isn't he? At first it was the, the buyback clause from Man City. Now it's Arsenal for 25, 30 million is, is the is today's rumour. It could be somebody else yeah. tomorrow. I don't know about that. I know his contract's running out and there's talk about whether well, he, he's going to get a new deal and stuff, but there's a, a player there that's worth money. So he's just changed agents, I'm pretty sure, as well. Yeah, I just don't see him slipping away to, to go out on a free or anything or go to Arsenal for £10 million next season or whatever. It just that, that doesn't seem the villa way at the moment. I feel like it'll be smarter than that. He's an enigma, isn't he? I'm getting my word out. Mm. Is it? He will divide opinion, like they say. He floats through games. He's got clearly, clearly got ability, you know. He's, he's only 23, been around the block. Right, Vasco, Man City, and um, Brazil. I don't know if he's—is he serious enough? Do you know what I mean to kick on? I think he just—he's coached through games. He finds it a bit easy. Hmm. I think Gerard wants a bit more from him. He wants him to boss games now and really take it to the opposition. Where I think he just plays it nicely, good on the ball, isn't it? Good in possession. But uh, I think Gerard wants wants that little bit more to, to force the issue as opposed to wait for an issue to, to come. So, yeah, really, really interesting one. It's going to run below. Seventeen months left on his contract. 23 years old. I think Gerard wants a big squad next season. To, 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 he said that last week. So I think having Douglas around, that's no brainer for me. But like you say, if there's a chance to cash in, there's going to be suitors there from Italy and Arsenal are keen. 15 million Villa bought in for you. You know, take a little bit of profit on that. I'm sure you will. So mm. yeah, it's going to, I think we'll, we'll, we'll find out for sure uh, this summer. If you, I can't see him going in this window anyway. No, so I can't. Uh, this summer will be the one. 12 months left in his deal then. We'll find out if they want to keep him or whether they cash him. What do you like to think of him, Pat, John? I think, to be honest, I think whatever decision's made now, I think you say, Ash, I think it's, it's, it's almost like a business decision now, isn't it? Because he hasn't yeah. signed, I don't know if he's been offered a contract, but it, that contract, the one that was, where he hasn't signed a new contract since he joined the club and he doesn't come across as a player that's going to stick around for another couple of years, I'm not too sure, because he's already been here for how many years now? Uh, approaching Very three, three. four years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Uh, one thing for certain is like if, if he's getting linked to an Arsenal, he's getting linked to a Roma, he's, we know he's a quality player. So I think, you know, comments saying that he's either not good enough to play in the team or we or we need to cash in for X, Y, and Z. Really. I disagree. I think he's a very good player and he can certainly offer plenty to the squad. And Gerard knows he can. I'm just say, Ash, I think I, I agree in terms of he does look a bit like he's not coasting, but he can do so much more. You know, yeah. you're hard to embrace sprint sometimes and use his sort of physicality like you probably can. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I think it's probably too late in the window now that we'd sanction the deal. Um, yeah. But I don't know, in maybe the summer, um, we'll see where that lies, where the ground lies there. But if you can, if you can get Benton Core, then you've got Nakamba as well. They're, those are two two players you can use as a six, at least. And obviously, we're interested in Basuma too. So, there's no smoke without fire, and it just doesn't seem like he's going to be sticking around for many more years. And again, I don't think we're going to be letting him, on, let him leave on a free either. So, um, yeah. It's again, it's going to divide opinion from now until the summer, I'm sure. Yeah, Gerard could have said last week, he said, I want him to stay, didn't so interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Morgan Sanson, Douglas, we two similar players there. What's the future hold for them? It's they've got it all to prove, haven't they? From now until May, do they want to stick around and be a part of this this new era? So, hmm. they've, they've got to kick on as well. Gerard said as well, didn't he? Want, he doesn't want to block pathways, which I always think is really interesting. Because you look at Carney Chukamaka, he's clearly singling, singling him out, and obviously Jack Brown. So we've got a lot of players in those positions. And then if we're looking to bring in another midfielder, slash maybe two, then, you know, it's all proof might be in the pudding. But it's, 
not necessarily the right signals, I suppose, in terms of always sticking around for much longer. If you were in charge of Villa in some aspects, manager, CEO, whatever position uh, sanctions new deals, who would be next? Who would be getting a new deal next? Who would you want to be tying down? I'd be trying to tie down Watkins, I think. England international approaching his Really? Prime. That's surprising, isn't it? I think you'll have people in the comments saying, we'll cash in on Watkins. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm such a big Watkins fan. And like, it doesn't, I don't get annoyed, but like, I, I always do pick Watkins over Ings. Obviously, the finishing aspect isn't the same, but I just feel like in terms of what he offers for like, the way we play, you know, given that his hold-up plays, runs in behind, it wasn't on form against Everton, but I think you should overlook that. Other than that, I thought it's been fantastic. I thought we've looked a lot better solid when we're playing just him on his own. The final 20 minutes against United, I think he was at top on his own. I think we just play a lot better football and it's Watkins in that 4-3-3. So, yeah, I'll be trying to tie him down. Interesting is that there's a few you could look at. I mean, Chuck Moeke's contract's coming up. How much do Villa believe in him? Obviously, they wanted to, they wanted to sign new terms. He's reluctant to do so. Um my player, McGinn's an obvious one, isn't he, really, uh, given the rumours. McGinn's on a, he signed a 2025 McGinn's contract. Up, so there's plenty of time on that. But, but yeah, um, I'd say McGinn for me. I'd like, I'd like Ashley Young for another year, you know, given behind the scenes, if you want to have a look at the, another way. But, but, yeah, McGinn, I'd tie him down for a, a longer contract and having Martinez and build around them, guys. No, it's the guys. Watkins, McGinn, they're probably the next ones. Cons to sign a new deal, only a not a few months ago, sometime last year was it April, I think. Exactly. Yeah, so I think we're quite healthy in terms of contract positions. I think you say Chuck Mag's probably the outstanding one, and then Ashley Young, if you want to do another year. But I thought Jacob Ramsey's probably in line as well. Well, we'll call it a day there. We did a few more questions than I thought we did. Uh, I think we've kind of rattled through most stuff in 45 minutes there to, to assess Villa's midway point pretty much through the, the season under Stephen Gerrard. And um, Pat, John, and Ash, thank you very much for your time as always. We'll have a little break for the podcast now for uh, up until next week when we do something for Deadline Day. So thanks everyone for watching this episode, and we'll catch you again on Deadline Day. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.